Welcome to the Bruin Success Podcast. My name is Kelsey Bysecker, and I serve as Associate Director of Alumni Career Engagement with UCLA Alumni Affairs. And I'm here with our co-host, Sarah Mosgrove, Assistant Director of Alumni Career Engagement. This season on Bruin Success, we're featuring career changers. From studying one degree and deciding to go on another path to pivoting later in your career, we want to normalize that change happens and chat with Bruins who have gone through it. Today's guest is Tina Chen. Currently serving as Chief Tea Officer, Tina was inspired by Taiwanese bubble tea concept and British tea drinking culture to develop a delicious, well-balanced tea latte beverage. With her love for a quality cuppa and her desire to make a positive impact on society, Tina made a career switch from IT to just tea and humanity was born. A proud social enterprise, Humanity supports well-being and sustainability initiatives through Wholesome Tea. Spreading me time, tea time, anytime, Humanity encourages people to take tea breaks to find mindfulness. Prior to Humanity, Tina worked as a senior analyst at Accenture. She holds a Bachelor of Arts in Business Economics from UCLA and an MBA focusing on sustainability and innovation from the Imperial College Business School. Welcome, Tina, to the podcast. Welcome to the Bruin Success Podcast, Tina. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited as well. Awesome. So to start off, tell us about what you studied at UCLA and what you did leading up to this current role. Sure. So I'm class of 2014. I did a business economics degree, very proud Bruin. And then afterwards, I was working in IT consulting at Accenture for three years and then decided to move over across the pond to London to do my MBA. And even now in London, I'm involved with the UC alumni community there. And it's really nice to meet all these people from around the world, all based in London who studied uh, at the UC. So very cool. It's incredible to know that we have such a proud Bruin base even across the pond, as you said. Yeah, it's really amazing. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, your current role and what led you to uh, make the pivot from uh, the consulting world to becoming an entrepreneur? Yeah, sure. So right now I'm Chief Tea Officer of Humanity. So I'm founder. And what brought me to start a tea company was really my passion for tea and the food and drink industry because I'm a big foodie. I love to eat, love to drink. So, I mean, why not start a company where I can drink the products that I make, even if I don't sell it? So it seemed like a win-win for me. And uh, from IT, how did I move to T? I simply removed the I. It was a simple move. But, but and in all seriousness, I, I did really like my technology consulting role. I learned a lot at Accenture, met a bunch of people across different industries, uh, and really build off my soft skills. So I, I really enjoyed my time there. But ever since I was maybe 18 or so, I wanted to start a business. So this was something that has been in me for a while, but I wanted to get that corporate experience, spice up my CV, and really just get the corporate experience before I jump into my own startup. And so that's also a reason that I started working on Accenture and then afterwards did an MBA and then started my tea company, Humanity. I love that. I love that this was always kind of in your sights then as a dream. Um, what what does the uh, 
the day-to-day of the roles and responsibilities for, you said you're your CEO or CFO? CTO. CTO. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay. So what, uh, could you tell us a little bit about the daily roles and responsibilities as CTO? Yeah, sure. I'm over three years in and my role today is still a bit of everything because surprisingly, I'm still working on the company by myself full time. I have um, contractors here and there, but full time doing everything. So that includes operations. So uh, working with our warehouse and then also marketing. So on social media and then uh, sales. So like cold outreach to different buyers via LinkedIn or email and uh, also PR. So it's a bit of everything. Yeah, marketing, sales, operation, probably the main three that I work on. That's incredible. That's uh, quite a lot of hats to wear. So um, it's it's so amazing to hear, like kind of Sarah was saying, you always had this kind of vision and you took a, a path that to get there that looks maybe different on the outside to some, but you always had that vision in mind, which I think is really cool. And then now your day-to-day is wearing a bunch of different hats, which um, I'm sure your undergrad and also your MBA are definitely helping you with. So um, that's awesome. Um, So you did study your uh, biz econ as your undergrad, um, but can you elaborate a little bit more on your motivation to change? I know you said you had it as kind of your vision um, from what you've always wanted to do, but what was that moment where you said, I think I'm ready for this change now? Yes. So back at UCLA, I was actually involved in quite a few entrepreneur uh, communities there. So whether that's like a club, et cetera, but I also took a entrepreneur course, I remember. And one of the classmates in my group, he had uh, done a Kickstarter campaign and was able to raise a few million at the age of 19 or so. So I was like, oh, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. So <laughs> I'm just going to do it someday. And that's kind of brought me over to the startup world that I wanted to enter after my master's. The change was quite a big change because I, I didn't have food and drink experience. So what happened was I like to eat and drink, but I don't know how to cook except for that well. But I looked up some recipes online and started brewing tea in my kitchen. And it was just brewing uh, like matcha tea, Earl Grey tea, uh, trying different milks to see what would work because our product is like tea with milk, kind of a milk tea inspired, bubble tea inspired drink. So it's making that at home. Actually in my friend's kitchen that I was living with at the time. <laughs> she was very happy about that. I was making tea uh, late into the night. And then uh, afterwards I realized, okay, I need to start seeing if there's a market for it in the UK. So then I got the certifications to sell in farmer's markets and was selling in farmer's markets, at borough market, and uh, Chelsea market, so different farmer's markets across London to see if people would be interested in purchasing our tea lattes. And then from there, as people started buying and we built up our customer base, I was able to see, okay, there is a market for it. And then that's when I did my own crowdfunding campaign. And that was March, 2020. 
Wow. So this was like truly grassroots. You making the tea, you selling the tea at the farmer's market, uh, gaining some traction. That's that's amazing. That's very inspiring. Um, can you tell us, though, I know that change, um, especially moving from industry to industry, can be a little bit intimidating for a lot of people, especially as an entrepreneur where maybe you don't have the backing of a huge company or you're putting your own time, your own money, your own energy into uh, this product and this vision. Um, what were some of the considerations that you took before taking the leap and saying, okay, I think I want this to be my full-time job now? Yeah, that's definitely a big decision for many people who want to jump into the startup world. So I was working in consulting before, so I had some savings from there. And uh, also because of consulting, you're traveling a lot. So I was, you know, staying in hotels, so I didn't really need a place to stay. So on the weekends, I could flex travel or live at my family's home. So I saved on rent as well. <laughs> so I think that's a plus. Um, so yeah, I saved up some money over the three years. So was using my savings to start the business. And I also did, uh, like some prize competition money that I've won and also some, uh, small grants over the years. And, um, yeah, the crowdfunding campaign was the main one for letting me have enough money to do the launch and also to get our early adopters to um, buy into the product and it is pretty much a pre-sale. So they bought the products before we manufactured. So in that sense, it was a easy way to bring people to support the product and at the same time raise some money. So yeah, the, the crowdfunding campaign was a good idea and we raised over 13,000 uh, pounds from over 120 supporters. And that was around summer of 2020. And then from there, I was able to go to factory production. We made our first uh, 10,000 units and then started selling on our online website in the fall, uh, which I built myself. So the online website that you'll see, humanity.co.uk, it's still the same one that I built. Um, but yeah, I need to probably make it better now that we are growing and growing. And uh, since January 2021, we've been selling into shops in the UK. So we're now in around 60 stores in the UK. Wow. Uh, web developer as well. You really do wear <laughs> many, many hats. Um, for you for you personally, were, was there any, uh, especially starting the business at the beginning of the pandemic, was there ever a moment where you were worried that this wasn't uh, going to work out and uh, you had to consider the possibility, okay, what am I going to do if it doesn't? Yeah, I mean, no one really expected COVID to enter UK exactly at that time. It was kind of a shock because we heard about the news over in Asia and then suddenly the government's like, oh, we're going to go into lockdown, everything's closing, probably similar here in LA. And everyone just surprised. And so... In March 2020, when I started the crowdfunding campaign, it was only two weeks before the lockdown in UK. And actually, a lot of people pulled out of this program that I was on. It was a program supporting female founders, and they were doing match funding. So actually, quite a good opportunity. But a lot of people pulled out because they didn't feel comfortable raising money at the start of a pandemic. 
and I already spent like some time working on the video and like making the page all nice and it was already running because I already had the campaign for two weeks so I didn't want to pull out I said just continue to do it see like where where we go and um, be mindful that people are probably not so willing to spend money at this time because they're saving they're like making sure they have essential food items and uh, was being mindful of that in terms of messaging and asking people for donations. And um, people were very, very helpful, very uh, supportive, even during this difficult time. And they wanted to support small businesses, small businesses, and they wanted to support me, me uh, knowing that I've been working on the business for a long time and uh, it's really passionate for me. And so I was able to raise that amount of money that was needed to go to factory production. And the money came from all over, from like weak ties to uh, family and friends. So it was just people that I met through like networking events over the years or people that I've been on courses with and or people who have just heard of me like through word of mouth. So yeah, it was a, a different, all kinds of people who were supporting. That's incredible. I, I'm still just blown away that you started that campaign and then COVID hit and, you know, the world was turned upside down, but you were able to still continue and push through. And I think that's amazing. Um, and so we've touched on your path a little bit and, you know, the process of consulting into an entrepreneur, but I'm really interested you, as kind of Sarah said, you you were grassroots. You started this from the ground up. What kind of self-teaching or courses, or I know you have an MBA, so that kind of background, what were the, you know, different tools? You're incredibly resourceful, um, it sounds like. And what was, you know, the kind of tools or education or teaching, learning that you went through um, to kind of make sure you uh, hit the ground running? Yes, so the MBA was useful especially for the community. Uh, there's a lot of startups that come out of my business school, Imperial College, and they have a strong um, like accelerator programs there. So I was part of a female entrepreneurship program while I was studying there. And uh, afterwards, uh, because I'm American, I also staying in the UK on the entrepreneur visa. So they were helping me with my visa for the first two years. And so, yeah, in that sense, like they've been very supportive community. And then afterwards, I also joined some programs that are throughout London, like Virgin Startup. And there's some uh, programs like Cambridge Social Ventures, which supports companies to become social enterprises because we're set up as a social enterprise. And then there's also London Agri-Food Innovation Clinic, which helped us with our uh, first testing, uh, food safety testing of our products at the very beginning, and also funded some of our farmer's market uh, stalls uh, at the beginning. So yeah, it was a mix of different programs that we joined on. And there's also a really strong food and drink community called the Food Hub in UK. And through there, I was able to meet a lot of other food and drink founders and with this community, we're able to help each other with questions like logistics or how to reach out to buyers and share contacts. So I think over the years, I've just built up this group of food and drink founders and 
people who are knowledgeable in this industry to help me. And I've also gotten a mentor through the British Library Mentoring Program. So I think, yeah, there's plenty of resources in the UK. So that's been really useful overall. And a lot of these resources are completely free of charge or highly subsidized. And yes, it's a great opportunity for founders on the budget to get those knowledge um, that they need to start their own companies. That's incredible. And I love that you have a community of, you know, food and drink founders specifically, because it is, you know, a very specific industry to try and break into. And sounds like you have a great community um, as well. And we need a food hub in the LA area if we don't already have one, because that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, at the Bruin 100, I met some other people in the food and drink industry. Like I met some ladies who have a, a bar in LA and also some people working in drinks and like tequila or some alcoholic drink. So yeah, I think there's definitely a food and drink community within the Bruin network. So it'd be nice to see that come together into more in-person meetups or even online meetups that people are based in different parts of U.S. or around the world. So yeah, that's something that could be considered, I guess, for the future. I'm taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I want to pivot a little bit um, and ask you if you have any advice for Bruins who may be listening that are considering a change. Maybe they're just on the verge of something. They're thinking about it or have been thinking about it for a while. Um, What advice do you have personally um, or professionally for anyone looking to make that leap? Yeah, so I think it's very important to be passionate about your business idea. It shouldn't be just for money because then burnout rates can be quite high if you don't feel like waking up each morning and working on your business. And then second is to make sure that you're taking care of yourself because I also had a burnout period where I actually literally burned myself. (laughs) It's not funny actually, but (laughs) I burned myself um, while making tea and that really brought me to a low because I realized I had injured myself and I needed to sleep more so that I wouldn't make careless mistakes while like boiling water. So it was a lack of sleep and which made me uh, tired both physically and mentally and which led me to hurt myself. And so I think it's very important for self-care and to make sure you're getting that rest, like sleep is important. And that you also have that support network that you can bounce ideas off of or even if you have any personal problems that you can share your emotions with. So to make sure that you're going to be both healthy physically and mentally. That's so important to kind of remember. It can't all happen in a day, right? So just giving yourself that time and making sure you do take care of yourself um, is is an important reminder, uh, especially for Bruins who are, you know, so driven and so, you know, hardworking that it's important to take a step back and make sure you, you take a breather every once in a while as well. So now that you've been firmly with Humanity and, you know, started it from the ground up and it's established, what brings you joy in your current role that made you realize it was the right choice? Yes. So even small things make me really happy. For example, 
when a customer who I don't know, like don't have any relationship with, uh, writes me a review. And it's like, oh, like your product has really changed my life. I'm a, allergic to coffee and I see all my friends have iced coffee and I always can't have it. And now I can have this iced tea latte, which is even better than the iced coffee drinks that my friends are having. It makes me feel very like, special and uh, I'm getting my natural energy. So these are like reviews from people that I never met before. So that means even more because they're not just writing me a review because they like me as a person. <laughs> and uh, for example, right now we're doing our next production uh, 50,000 cans. And we've uh, sold out of one of our flavors and that's also why we're manufacturing our next batch. And I had people messaging me, uh, sending me emails about how the matcha drink has really changed their life. And like they drink it every day. It gives them that energy in the morning and that they wanted like ASAP and when when our production will be done. So I guess knowing that people out there are actually really appreciating like me producing this product uh, means a lot to me. And that makes me want to continue running the business. That's so great. And as our colleague Haley always says, and I love when she says this, celebrating the small wins, those are big wins, but <laughs> celebrating the wins become them. So that's so great to hear. And that's so exciting that they're selling out and they're wanting more. Um, that's that's great to hear. Yeah, that sounds so incredibly rewarding to read those positive reviews and know that you're making that difference um, in people's lives. Um, I'm really excited to try your product. I, I'm going to go. Uh, I have to get on that pre-sale, it sounds like. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we're just in UK now. So these are the two flavors, the matcha one and the Earl Grey one. But yeah, hopefully we'll be able to bring it to U.S. in the future. And next year, we're actually planning on launching in Middle East. So that's our first export uh, outside of UK. Wow, that's that's crazy. That's, that's so awesome. cool. <laughs> um, so another question for you. Um, looking back, uh, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. We often know things now that we wish we knew uh, when we first started different journeys. So is there anything now looking back that you would have done differently i think everything that i've done i've learned and like even mistakes i've overcome i say one big one is i wouldn't have burned myself and, and i would have slept more and uh because i what was happening was i was renting the commercial kitchen from midnight to 6 a.m because it was half price and then going to the farmer's markets at 9 a.m. So basically not sleeping and then working in the farmer's market from like 9 to 5 or 6 and was just like really tired at the end of the day. And I was doing that like for, for almost a year. So it was quite bad. <laughs> so when, when lockdown hit, the, the market's all closed. So that was also a wake up call for me. It was like, okay, like I've always wanted to move towards factory production. So now um, it's the time to like do the crowdfunding and move to factory production and start stop making it by hand. And another thing I have learned is um, it's good to have mentors because for example, one issue, like one challenge during the first production was that a pallet of tea was lost. So I guess it wasn't necessarily a mistake on my part. It was a mistake from the logistics part, but to have um, a mentor help me 
and help walk me through like the best route of solving this issue of a lost palette of tea, which would delay our production by one to two months. Uh, was to think outside the box. So what happened was I ended up call contacting the founder of the palette company on LinkedIn and then also sending emails. And I was like, okay, like, can you please find the palette or at least compensate? And then the, the conclusion was that we got half of the cost of the tea. Uh, so we ended up ordering a new palette of tea. And the production was delayed, but that was the best route of action at that time. So I guess looking back, those are some things that I had issues with, uh, including like a trademark opposition from a large corporate um, conglomerate, actually one of the largest beverage companies in the world, uh, was sending me their lawyers <laughs> telling me that I need to change my the name of my company even before I had a product. So this was back in like 2019. And our company name was actually Mighty, M-Y-T-A. And now it's called Humanity. And basically they were saying their company had a brand that was very similar to Mighty and that they wanted a cease and desist uh, like conclusion from us and basically for us to remove our brand. <clears throat> and so at the end, um, I got help from pro bono lawyers, very kind of them. Also some of the lawyers I met through Imperial and I uh, was able to draft some letters and at the end we got to a coexistence agreement, but I also had to remove one of our trademarks and then I also applied for a new trademark, which is now Humanity. And so, yeah, those, those were just some issues even in the early days before I even had much traction. Um, but people are like, oh, you should be, you should be happy that such a big company uh, is trying to sue you. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, sure, I'm very flattered. <laughs> Well, it sounds like uh, you've had to do a lot of problem solving along the way to get to where you are now. That's uh, that's great that you were able to uh, work around that with the help of the lawyers and your mentors um, and be so successful now. I think oftentimes we see uh, these people that are very successful and established in their career and uh, we don't think about the possible setbacks that they maybe have gone through to get there because there are always, there's always something. Um, but sometimes when we have that sort of, you know, three steps forward, one step back experience, I think it can be uh, a little bit discouraging. Um, how, how did you manage to, to stay motivated and disciplined uh, to continue on? Yeah, I think that's where the passion is important because if you don't actually enjoy what you're doing like why are you doing it for um secret is out but like less pay than that you would get in the corporate job so people think like oh you start company you're going to be making lots of money but you definitely be making more money as like a consultant or investment banker <laughs> or like a software engineer in the tech company but at the beginning you will definitely be making less and you'll need to want to do it, uh, wake up and feel like, okay, this is what I want to do. I really enjoy the learning experience and you want to push through the challenges, especially as a solo founder when you don't have um, other co-founders to share in the any sorrows that you might face through obstacles. And what I really enjoy is that I'm learning every day 
like I said earlier, I wear many hats. And so the learning experience has been really um, amazing. Like, I don't think I would have learned how to do all the logistics and like even now with like importing, exporting and branding. And also I hire someone at some point. So being a someone an employer and yeah, just all these different hats that I've worn over the years. Um, it's been really rewarding. You really have done it all is what it sounds like and been through it all with all of your experiences. And that's, it's so incredible. And your story is inspiring on some, in so many ways. Um, so thank you. So we do have some fun rapid fire questions for you though. So um, for the first one, what is a piece of media that you recently consumed? Be it a book, an article, a podcast, a TV show? Yeah, so it's not sophomore emotion, by the way, but I was recently featured in the book. So it's called CEO Secrets. And actually the book is really, really good. Um, it was written by a reporter that interviewed me last year and he's a bbc reporter that has a series called ceo secrets and he's now turned the five years of um, interviews that he's had over the years and picked the best ones and put it into a book so it has like all the learnings across different industries and um, it's really insightful and it's authentic it's not like um, you know like like all oh, you do one two three and you're gonna start a business it's like actually people's stories and I think it's quite a good book for anyone who wants to start their own business or who wants to be better leaders in their current companies. So yeah, that's one book called CEO Secrets. It's incredible. Oh my goodness. More and more I'm learning. It's just like this woman is incredible. Um, I want to go back to uh, what you mentioned previously about making sure that you're getting enough sleep and taking care of yourself physically and mentally. Um, with all of the past, you know, cumulative experiences that you have uh, and what you know now, what is it that you do for self-care when you feel yourself like, oh, I'm getting getting a little close to burnout or maybe just feeling um feeling the pressure these days or even on the daily what is what is a self-care uh, routine or practice that you incorporate in your life yeah so i think it's important to find time for yourself so i don't really work on weekends so i used to work on weekends uh, because i had to do farmers markets but now i just spend weekends on um, for myself i'll usually do one day in the countryside just go hiking and then other day like spending with friends and yeah, I think it's important to just do things that you enjoy, uh, like um, going hiking and having dinner and uh, watching musicals. <laughs> so it makes it seem like, I mean, of course, I still enjoy my work, but it's different when you're doing things outside of work as well. And it kind of sets the whole work-life balance. And I think that's important to have for the self-care part. And also what some of my friends do is they do like meditation. Um, that's something I'm looking to get more into as well. So like just five minutes of meditation in the morning. Um, other things I like doing is like running. Uh, so I do running, it helps me clear my mind. And actually now it's getting quite cold in London, but I like running in the cold because <laughs> it gives me like the fresh air, wakes me up and 
I guess the endorphins from run, running also helps me uh, be in a good mood. And after running, I feel like ready to get back to work. So yeah, those are some things I do for self-care. And also just having that support network is very important. So um, like the, the other food and drink founders that you can share any like problems or like also celebrate any wins together and having those uh, mentors and the accelerator programs that I'm on have been very helpful as well. That's great. I am a big fan of running as well, like you said, because it helps clear my mind. Um, but I also love what you said. You know, it's like you've said before, it's important to have that passion behind what you're doing, but to also give you that time to enjoy other things outside of that and have that separation, I think is important to remember because you can have both. And then it's it's important to have both. So last question and tying it back to UCLA a little bit. What's your favorite place on campus? My favorite place on campus is actually Paul Library. I think it's very, very beautiful, like the interior. And I've always just been a fan of libraries. I like how when you go in there, you just feel like you're surrounded by knowledge and it's so peaceful and quiet. And I just like get into the study mode or and I can just work there for hours. <laughs> and I also spend a lot of time um, in Powell Library. Of course, I had a social life as well. I went out at night and I was at Ackerman or um, went to watch football games and all these like club activities on campus. But I really enjoyed my time in the library as well uh, because I just felt really quiet and peaceful and like with all the knowledge surrounding. <laughs> and of course, like studying for exams wasn't like the most fun, but I really liked the structure of the building. Awesome. Well, Tina, thank you so much for a great interview. We really appreciate appreciate all of your time. Um, and to our listeners, thanks for listening and go Bruins. Yay, go Bruins.